have taken over Kelly Prince's job. It was only a matter of time. Mwahaha. You're already doing a terrible job up here. Terrible job. <laughs> I'd say it's going to open over Kelly already. <laughs> we have the entire crew here today. So we could start off with the rejected host of this podcast, former host. Just kidding. I'm sorry. It's just the one episode. Don't freak out. Kaylee Frets, how's it going? I am still here. Um, you know, just hanging out. Um, I'm passing the baton to you this week. I'm very excited about it. James Wong. Hi, Abby. <laughs> Hello. Uh, what's uh, what's news? Uh, I don't know. Not a whole lot. I'm looking forward to taking some time off because I'm I'm kind of cooked. This year has been long. Yeah. Indeed, it has. Shoddy Dave Everett, your hair, magnificent as always. I do try. I really do. I've, I washed it this morning, especially for this podcast. <gasps> Jose Bean, you're back. How's it going? Uh, yeah, we're in full lockdown mode here. So basically everything's closed apart from food stores and places where you can buy alcohol. So um, Christmas will be okay. The essentials, but but I do want I want to point out though that Jose can still ride her bike during lockdown, and that allowed her to hit a very big goal for this year. Jose, you rode ten thousand k this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I was really really proud of that to be honest. <laughs> um, you should be. Yeah, because my husband was like basically home all year, so he took care of the dogs, which allowed me to ride a lot. And basically because half of the year I didn't have a job, I had all the time in the world. So I hope that it won't be repeated next year and hope that I will have some more work to do and less riding. But it was fun. It kept me it kept me happy. It's way more than I rode this year. <laughs> by like. Oh, I should point out, I should no, point out, is. Kaylee, I should point out that I had two altitude meters per kilometer not even two altitude meters <laughs> per kilometer so that kind of puts the 10 yeah. 10k in perspective yeah we have we're at a slight disadvantage here where i'll, I'll go for a, a, like an hour and a half long ride in the morning and come back and have ridden like 23 kilometers or something like that we we, we, we rack them up pretty slowly here in boulder <laughs> that's my excuse anyway i'm just trying to find how it compares to uh Ekimov, if people remember that cyclist, I'm sure they do, because I have never seen anybody train as much as him. I'm just, I just remember it's a ridiculous amount of miles, and I'm searching Google now for it. So I expect an update sometime in the podcast when I find it. But it was something like, a, on average, something like a hundred k a day, every day, for a year. Insane. And that was when he was an amateur. Last, last but definitely not least. <laughs> Dane Cash, hi. Hi, hi, Abby. Thanks for getting me in here. You're on mute. Face of the year. <laughs> well, I was waiting so long. That's the best way to end this <laughs> to end this year of all years. To end 2020 with a "you're on mute." It is. It is apparently that's the phrase of 2020. It, it is. I, I it forget, is. It was. You know, I forget who de- who determined that, but yeah, we agree. <laughs> it's true. Dane, hello. How's it going? Hi, you know, things are fine. Yeah, thanks for asking. Thanks for getting me here at the end. I appreciate that. So, before we jump into today's episode, which is one of my personal favorites for the year, a quick ad for y'all. Today's podcast episode is brought to you, again, by Zwift. Now, I 
am a little bit different than other people in that I really do enjoy riding the trainer. Uh, Pre-Zwift, I used to watch... Shoddy's got an update for us. I can see it in his face. Breaking news. <laughs> right. When he was an amateur junior at the age of 15, 38,000 kilometers. When he turned professional, nearly 80,000 kilometers. That's what? 900K a week, every week for 52 weeks. That's ridiculous. God. Yeah, but come on. Like, he was on US Post, too, wasn't he? So. Let's get back to that Zwift mm, advert. That seems doable. <laughs> seems totally he doable was recovering, to me. Recovering better than most is what you're saying, Shadi. Yes. Yeah. Had some help. That's wild. When I was when I was uh, first starting out racing, there was no such thing as Zwift, and I used to set up old races and listen to really loud music and and try to simulate the racing. And when Zwift came around, I was a little bit hesitant about what this thing was, but after taking part in it for a little while I got super hooked um for me it was the workout plans that are on there there's like pre-made workout plans tailored for whatever your goal is um right now I'm working on getting my FTP up whatever that means I don't know that's what I love about Zwift there's a ton of other things that are beneficial with Zwift um there's the community that Zwift has formed uh the people that are really kind of similar to our Velo Club, I feel, that have these group rides on Zwift that are really cool. When my fiance was in lockdown in Spain and I was in the United States, we were able to do rides together, so that was amazing. Zwift also has a ton of really cool events that they've been kind of curating over the year. They, When the racing shut down, Zwift really stepped in and put on a ton of racing events for every single level of rider. They've got amateur racing. They have everywhere up to the premier division, which is invitation only and is like the best of the best. I do believe, this is not yet confirmed, but I do believe our own Ronan McLaughlin, our, our new tech rider, has been invited to that premier league and will be competing in it throughout the, the winter. As he should be, those who have listened before know that uh, Ronan took the Everesting record from Alberto Contador. He's got some watts in those legs of his, and I do think he's been invited, so I think I think he's gonna do it. Can we- Team Cycling Tips. Can we get Ronan- <laughs> Can we get Ronan a special virtual kit for that that just says like, suck on it, Contador, or something? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, they also have the Zwift Racing League, which is, like I said, for every single level. So you can you can work your way up to the Premier Division. Um, they have the Tour de Oz, which is taking over what used to be the Tour Down Under. In general, Zwift is doing a lot of things. So thank you, Zwift, for sponsoring this episode and for just being you. Yeah, I, I really love Swift as well. And um, out of my like 18,000 altitude meters this year, I think at least 5,000 were on Swift. So that kind of, um, <laughs> that's the only climbing I do, basically. There I can ride like 30K and do like 500 altitude meters, which is like virtually impossible in this country. So it gives you, I, I use it together with my trainer to just have that little bit of different training than only the endurance rides against the wind. So I love Swift as well. So I'm with you, Abby. Team Swift. It's great. It's great fun. Kaylee, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, was, I didn't say anything. The power's gone about. to my head. I'm going to go ride my fat bike this evening. <laughs> 
Before we move into this episode, the best episode of all of the episodes, a little bit of Psychocross. Jose, run us through the second round of the World Cup Cyclocross season. Well, I I don't want to be particularly smug, but last week uh, we talked about Clara Hunsinger and that she was on her way to taking a podium in Namur, and she did. It was an amazing race, as predicted, and she came in second behind the... Uh, unbeatable Lucinda Brandt. She was uh, she was on fire basically straight from the start, and Clara got her first World Cup podium, which is absolutely amazing because she's still so young, and she can already rival with the best European cyclocross racers. So that that has great promise also for the World Championships. How amazing would it be to have an Amer- another American on the podium next year in Belgium? The men's race was absolutely the race of the year. It was uh, the battle between the three big ones, uh, Mathieu van der Poel, Wout van Aert and Tom Pitcock. Amongst them, they have a multitude of world uh, world cyclocross titles. They have, of course, won Milan San Remo. They have won the Tour of Flanders. They have won the Baby Giro. It's absolutely amazing. And it was a battle from the start. And Tom Pitcock, the youngest of the three, he took off uh, furiously. And it looked like he would beat van der Poel and van Aert. But, well, in the last lap Mathieu van der Poel was uh, was taking over and took a victory and he was absolutely completely exhausted it was a really really hard race like Namur always is it has a lot of altitude meters the women raced for almost 53 minutes and and nobody died so I think uh, we can just uh, let the women ride a little bit longer than the ridiculous 39 minutes they had today in Essen which was the return of Mayanne Vos, another multiple uh, cyclocross world champion and she won the race, just like she did last year, um, pretty dominantly. And the men's race was won by, again, uh, Mathieu van der Poel. Laurens Zweig, uh, the Belgian champion, had a really good race, which is good because, well, imagine being like the best racers of Belgium, Toon Aerts, Laurens Zweig, and you win the races among each other, Isabeth also. And then Wout van Aert, Pitcock and Mathieu van der Poel do a little sidestep into cyclocross and sweep away all the prizes and you are, uh, you're just off the podium every week. But Laudan Zweig, he had a mechanical, he had a flat, so unfortunately for him, he didn't win. But he was looking good, and the upcoming days are going to be crazy. Tomorrow, there's going to be cyclocross on the 26th, on the 27th, um, on New Year's Day, on the 3rd of January. So there's a lot of cyclocross for everybody who loves that. So a lot to look forward to amongst meals and alcohol. Yes, as I wrote in my... Race report for the men's Nemur. Nemur? I think I said, by golly, this race was exciting. This race was epic. It was just so, 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 so epic to watch. And um, yeah, the women too. Clara was incredible. Um, I was also really impressed with Evie Richards uh, and her her performance at the race. So great stuff. Great, great mud. Woohoo! Now, on to <laughs> the episode in itself. On the Nerd Alert podcast last week, they gave you the tech awards. Great stuff. Awards for all of the techie categories and tech failures, tech successes, tech. And we are following in their footsteps, and we are going to give awards for racing, road-related things, Maybe some not really that road-related things, but still in the world. Um, 
how are we going to go about this? I say we read off the award. I'll read off the awards and people can raise their hands if they feel that they have a good answer. I was going to say, Abby, you are, you are the host this week, actually. So shouldn't you be determining the format of this of this event here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just told you what it, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read off the I'm going to read off the award and then someone is going to decide that they have a good answer for it and they're going to raise their hand and then we're going to see who agrees and who has another idea of this award. Then do we vote to determine who is the winner? It depends how much time it takes up. Okay. Yeah. I feel like quantity over quality is how we go about this. (laughs) It's our usual MO here. So we're going to start off with probably the most bland of the awards I would say the team of the year who's got one I'll go uh Yelba Visma why because for the first time in a very long time we were discussing a team that was a better team than any else at major grand tours they were super impressive Roglic won a lot of things throughout the season, although he did not win the Tour de France. Uh, but it was sort of the best team effort at the Tour de France, which is obviously still the biggest race of the year on the men's calendar. So that, for me, is the team. Even though they didn't win it, they were the best team at that race. Plus, they were on rim breaks. They were on rim breaks. Also true. Oh, Ten extra points automatically. In support of that, they also, I mean, they, they were second of the Tour. They won the Vuelta and... Oh yeah, Wout van Aert like won half the races he started basically. Pretty comprehensive. There's rumors, success. rumors at the moment that Wout van Aert is going to head over to Ineos, and I don't want that to happen. Look, uh, those rumors make me so upset. I am really upset when I open up Twitter and I'm reading rumors about transfers for 2022. 2021 oh. hasn't even happened yet, people. Let's just rein it uh, in. I'm sure <laughs> Wout van Aert's agent is very pleased that we're all talking about this. That's yep. 2022 is a long way away. But that's exactly the point. They do this to raise the price. You know, Jumbo Visma, they are already looking for sponsors to keep uh, guys like Roglic, like Wout van Aert, also Sepp Kuss, who's going to ask for a bigger paycheck after what he did this year. So they need a few million extra. So these managers, they kind of bring these rumors into the world to, uh, to, to urge the other team to maybe raise their bid or hurry and Wout van Aert said, well, you know, the process is still ongoing, so uh, we'll see. It takes some time. I, I disagree. I reckon they're just doing it to keep up with the cycling industry, the tech industry, because 2021 for the tech industry, no one can get anything. So everyone's talking about 2022 instead, or, the, or, when, or the, <laughs> when we can actually buy stuff again when it's coming out of the factory. When tubes are available again? Yes, Hoard your tubes. I would like to. I would like to submit a different team for top team of the year, and that is the Trek Segafredo women's team, who absolutely. I mean, it, it it was a really incredible performance by a lot of the team members, starting off with a win at the Tour Down Under with Ruth, and then working through that momentum throughout the year with Lizzie, like really coming into form, and the whole dynamic between Lizzie and Elisa and Audrey winning the French National Championships, and and then Elisa winning Italian National Championships, and all of their entire season combined was was pretty impressive to me. And the vibe on the team, I think, when you think of team of the year, you have to think of not only the results, but also, you know, what 
what is the reasoning behind the results, how the atmosphere on the team is, how those riders are together. And I think that Trek Segafredo's women's team really is a very good example of a great team. How about... I would agree. How about Ineos? Because, like, they just... Well, things didn't go according to plan for them, and they had to change things rapidly. Like, everybody, I would think, not fell in love with Ineos at the tour, but, like, everyone had newfound respect for them. And then when they came to the Giro, everybody was rooting... Well, not everybody, but a lot of people were rooting for Teo. They, they basically hit the season not in the way they wanted to, and then changed the plans very successfully. I would actually like to nominate a team, which is going to be very surprising considering that it's coming from me. Uh, I'd like to nominate Legion of LA for team of the year. Not because of obviously, you know, international stage race wins or, you know, results or that sort of thing, but more, more in the sense that this is a team that I would say whose profile was raised arguably more than any other kind of medium level team in the world, potentially. Um, I mean, it came as a result of a lot of, you know, political and social turmoil, unfortunately. But uh, the the new the newfound attention that's been focused on this team now, I think is very much going to lead to some really, really cool things. I mean, they've got a lot more money coming in. They've got a lot of cool sponsors on board now. They've got a bunch of really cool riders. I'm super eager to see what comes from them in 2021. I would agree. Yeah, I mean, in terms of team with team most likely to impact the sport going forward i think that that's a they're a clear winner right i mean you know for all we talk about we talk about yumbo or Ineos or even the trek women's team they're kind of established already right and and legion it's not that they came out of nowhere they they've existed for quite some time and they were pretty well known in the, in the u.s scene but they all of a sudden now are really sort of like setting the direction particularly uh, here in the U.S. and they're they're kind of leading from the front now, and I would agree. I, I think they're going to do some really cool stuff over the next couple of years. We've gotten some hints at what they're doing. Uh, and Justin Williams just teased the other day um, all of the the riders' jerseys with numbers on them, for example, something that we've sort of talked about doing forever, but no one has ever actually done. And they're just stepping up and doing it, and that's just one of many examples of them doing that exact same thing. My concern for that team is that the U.S. scene right now is is oof. It's it's hemorrhaging races. Yeah, it's 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 really really slim. A because it was slim already, and B because of coronavirus. Uh, so I'm not sure that they're going to have the stage to show themselves in the United States. But uh, once those races start to come back, yeah, I, I think. I would actually say that's my vote. I, I think James convinced me here. I think that is going to be the most influential team to the to the whole sport of cycling over the next couple of years. And so that, therefore, can be our team of 2020. Shall we vote? Yeah, let's vote. Okay, already, we can vote. We're already 20 minutes in at voting. Yeah, I was going to say. Of... <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's unanimous. Honorable mentions all around then? Yeah. Do we have a winner? <laughs> I think Legion Legion of LA can win this one. All right. Yeah. We'll send them a, a trophy. Yeah. The cycling Tippies trophy. Or at least a sticker that they can put on their team vehicle. That that yeah. is the cycling yeah, Tippy trophy. That's all we've got. We just got stickers. We're gonna mush two into one for the next one, which is two that sound very similar but are 
can be interpreted different ways. So best win and most exciting finale. Of course, everybody's going to say Tour Flanders, but I'm going for a different finale, and that is La Course. Um, the way that Lizzie Deignan and Elisa Longoborghini played Marianne Vos in that final was master, masterful. That was absolutely amazing how Elisa Longoborghini kind of drew Marianne Vos out of her um, comfort zone, I don't know, but made her go to sprint early. And then Lisa Deign- Lizzie Deignan winning that race, that was, that was an amazing final to see. And the entire Lacousse race was uh, was pretty awesome uh, this year. Yeah, I agree. It was really good. It wasn't it wasn't my pick. Um, but it was very exciting. Last TT of the Tour de France. It's not technically the final because there's technically another day, but it is effectively for the GC. It is the final and I I mean that was that was the most like edge of my seat what's going to happen racing like a half hour of any any race all year for me uh i think because it was a time trial it was sort of like stretched out you know it wasn't like the final of flanders where the last you know 15 seconds were the sprint and you're like what's going to happen it was literally half an hour of what's going to happen and for me that's what made it so such an intense day uh and for me yeah by far the most the most intense, the most exciting finale of the year. Maybe like the, the most intense and exciting finale of the end of the Tour de France in my memory. Uh, the only one that kind of comes close perhaps is uh, the Schleck versus Cadell Evans TT that, that was kind of similar in what, 2011. Well, this is going to be me showing my age, but I thought it was very reminiscent of Le Mans Fignon. I was one year old for that, so I kind of missed it, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> don't remember it all that well the uh, number of potential yeah, races it's you know, really similar the number of races that could fit this category this year is pretty remarkable i mean we, we just got so many great finales and for a season that seemingly almost didn't happen to have i don't know like six races that you could think of that that could reasonably answer this question is it's pretty cool uh the fact that we had the closest tour in recent memory but also both of the other grand tours there were like three monuments that were this close uh, just generally, it was a really good season for exciting finales. What stage was it of the tour where Hershey tapped off the front like for a second time and was being chased down by the pellet? And that was awesome. Like it, it failed one day, got caught, and then a like, few days later, he was being hunted down like a dirty dog into the finish line, and he, he got his, his his win that everybody wanted him to get. It was I can't remember what stage Wasn't, it was, but it was awesome. Uh, into Leon, I think. Yes, it, yes. I should remember that. It's only just down the road from here. But yeah, that was that was superb. The other the other one that was at, which was a nail biter was Paris Nice because it was like, why are they doing this? <laughs> when <laughs> when is it going to stop? <laughs> when is it going to stop? Yeah, they, they're still going. They're still going. The last race before lockdown. There was a cup. There was. I mean, like Dane said, there was so many races that were really really exciting up to the very end um but two that i remember off the top of my head was gent wevelgem uh the matthew vanderpool wout van Aert battle that ended in mess winning that was a pretty awesome race um and also uh gp de Plouet for the women 
was so so exciting to watch there was crashing and there was a breakaway and there was more crashing and it was just complete chaos and it was that was pretty awesome um the best win i thought was a tie between kwiatkowski and carapaz's win and at the tour and uh elisa longa borghini borghini winning a stage of the giro after what nine years of racing the Giro and never winning a stage? That was pretty rad. I have the Carapaz Kwiatkowski thing down as most anticlimactic uh, race of the year. I hated it. <laughs> I was like, uh. we're, we're, are we high school friends? You know, this is a Tour de France race for it, not just handy hand, hand in hand crossing. No, I hate. No, no, nah, was not my thing. To be but fair, I'm pretty sure Kwiatkowski a- would have won that sprint. Like, there's no yeah. way that that well, doesn't happen. So maybe they just decided to save Karapas the embarrassment of... Karapas won of a that. sprint in, in Poland this year. He's a pretty nifty sprinter. But Kwiatkowski um, won Milan San Remo over Peter Sagan. I think he's a slightly better sprinter. I just think the whole the whole thing wrapped up in the race that they had and all of the expectations and everything... And from the chat we had with Dave Brailsford uh, a couple weeks ago, going thinking back on this moment with Kwiatkowski, 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 and Carapaz, <laughs> that all tied in together with the way that Brailsford is now looking at his team for the future. I mean, it, it potentially could change Ineos in the future and how they race their bikes, which is all the better for us. And all the if, better for if racing. If we believe Dave, Dave Brailsford. If yeah, we believe yes, Dave most definitely. But if we do believe him, then it could be a huge turning point. And for me, like, I cried like a baby. I was so emotional when they crossed the line. Just thinking about, I mean, it, it wasn't about how exciting it was. It had nothing to do with the excitement. It had to do with the feeling and the emotion and the passion. And that's what bike racing is to me. It's not. I mean, it's a sport, obviously, but there's also so much that goes into it from the rider's perspective and, and from, you know, seeing what the riders go through and knowing what they all went through this year, particularly for them to take that win together and be able to cross. I'm like literally tearing up thinking about it. I don't know. I just thought it was so great. I want to vote. So let's vote. What are, what are the, we don't, I don't even know what we're voting for. I think we have to raise your hand. Six entries. Are we going to vote for and against Kwiatkowski and Carapaz. <laughs> For or against? I'm going against. I abstain. Wow, I really lost right. this one. Y'all That's suck. definite against. <laughs> All right. The MVP, not to be confused with Matthew Vanderpool, the most valuable player. Go. Is this? Are we defining this as like a best domestique or a? Hey, this can be def- be rider. defined in any way that you would like it to be defined. Um, you could call it a writer. You could call it a teammate. I myself have nominated Alan Piper, the oh. director of UAE. You get? Oh. I was gonna go for that one. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I've got a good one. No one's gonna go for. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> drats. Nice. Wouldn't you guys I separated at birth or something like that, you know? <laughs> Twins from... Uh, no, I was going to say brothers from different mothers, but Abby's a female, so... I'm yeah. a girl. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good one. I just love that Dave used the word get. I mean, I feel like the, the obvious answer is Wout Van Aert, 
Like the, that's the obvious answer because he was so valuous, like just so crucial to the tour performance, but also to Yembo Visma as a whole becoming kind of like this multifaceted team. But Wat Van Aert gets so many awards that I feel like Alan Piper deserves some kind of recognition or Inigo Samalon for that matter. Who is the coach of Tade Pogacar and the rest of the UAE, UAE team. Uh, some of you probably heard the interview that we did with, with Inigo. What about Sepp Kuss, American? I mean, he, he probably could have won multiple Grand Tour stages, potentially, this year. You could argue either way. But he was sort of in in the in the right place at the right time and, and definitely, you know, shelved his own ambitions to try to help teammates a number of times this year. Maybe the best sort of pure climber at the Tour de France. Top 20 and two Grand Tours this year while working for teammates, which is not an easy thing to do. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Super impressive. Uh, Mess Peterson keeping Richie Port upright for the yeah. entire Tour de France. That takes some serious work. And then that winning a big race on, it, on his own. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And Tom's. Tom's also kept Richie Port upright. No, he couldn't even keep his, uh, himself upright. What are you talking about? <laughs> also true. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Alan Piper is, is the winner here. We shall send him a sticker. The other thing with Alan, I'm thinking, is like, was it 12, uh, um, 12 months prior to the tour, he had cancer, like, so, it, and it looked like it from, he kept relatively quiet about it. It wasn't much in the press, but coming back from that and then, yeah, just going full tilt into producing a tour winning team must be just something else for him. Plus, he is a really nice bloke, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Rupert Guinness uh, wrote a story about Alan at this uh, just ahead of the 2019 Tour de France. You can go back and find that on the site still. Um, that was obviously the year that Rupert joined us on the podcast throughout the tour. Uh, great piece. Fantastic piece. And yeah, Alan Piper, if you don't know much about him, that's a good place to start. It kind of goes back into his history and things like that. So there we go. MVP of the 2020 season. Not a rider, former rider, Alan Piper. Yes. I'm into it. Moving on, the rider of the year, without any question or doubt in my mind, goes to Anna Vandebregen for winning two world championships in a week, the European TT Championship, the Dutch National Championship, the Giro Rosa, I mean... And her sixth flesh wallon in a row. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel like we could throw a bunch of male riders in there who had... I mean, incredible performances. I feel like the only person that even in even slightly compares is Wout Van Aert for being such a great climber and also winning races at the same time. But he still didn't win the only Grand Tour of the year, the European TT, the and both of the World Championships. So that's my argument. I'm gonna blow debate me. Out, I dare you. I blow you out the water here. Lachlan Morton for keeping everybody inspired during lockdown, going out and doing. Wouldn't ever rest and then one. like 24 hours later redoing <laughs> it doing some crazy rides so yeah i'm gonna go with him just because yeah he gave us a lot of good things to watch read during them crappy days of the lockdown season one he was definitely the 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 best rider of like april may june when the when the racing was not actually happening but once the racing started again not quite yeah, I, I think 
I think you can't give it to anybody but Anna. That was a pretty incredible run. Uh, obviously, the women's season is very, very different from the men's season. There's the, the big riders do almost everything, but it's still that that's just massively impressive. She also did it with like very little time in between. It wasn't like she had much time off to rest and recover. It was like, well, let me go win a Grand Tour. Oh, how about a World's TT? And how about a World's Road Race? And then I'll throw Flesh Malone on top for good measure. That's really hard to do. We often see dominance over a couple of weeks and then take a break and then come back. But Von der Brecken was just, I mean, she was something else in, in uh, the month of September, the whole month of September, basically. Yeah. All right. So race of the year. Now this one, this category goes to a race for the organization behind the race because i feel like this year it was particularly difficult for organizers to actually put on races so i threw this category in here for pretty much one reason and i'm sure that other people have a different opinion of this but i feel like the fact that flanders classics was able to pull off the races that they did while not having fans on the side of the road and the fact that there actually weren't fans on the side of the road is pretty wild. It was it was actually the most amazing day of the year being at the Tour of Flanders with nobody else. I was on the out out of Quadermont with one camera guy from Sporza, Chantal Black on a bike and me behind the fence. That was it. It was it was the most surreal experience of the year and and exactly like you said, Abby, that they managed to pull off the women's and the men's races and kept Belgium at home or the Flemish fans at home. That is something to applaud. I think I'll give a vote to, or at least it's sort of a tie for me to the tour. The fact that they were able to pull off a grand tour and all of this, because the tour of Flanders was one thing. I mean, it was great. Everything that, that went into making that happen was, was pretty impressive. But with the tour, they had to do that for three weeks and to keep the tour going when most of us thought it wasn't going to happen in the first place and then even during the tour most of us thought it was going to be canceled halfway through because there was no way they were going to make it three weeks and they did and it was pretty remarkable i mean there were some days where there were probably too many people on the climbs so there, there were there were a couple of days where we were wondering okay are they doing the the best job here but just the fact that they made it through to the end and delivered a fantastic tour de france uh which financially I mean, literally saved the season for so many people in the sport. Without the, without the Tour de France, you know, people lose jobs. And the fact that they were able to pull that off was, was pretty massive. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, for sort of the health of pro cycling, that one was more important than anything else. How about the Worlds? Imola did a good job at taking over the Worlds at the very last minute. They even got the old tarmac out, managed to have time to tarmac the circuit. Yeah, because Switzerland obviously pulled out, couldn't do it. So, yeah, I'm going for the Italians. Yeah, I agree. The, the fact that they were able to pull off the Worlds, especially with such late notice, I mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes that goes into putting a bike race together, let alone the World Championships, and they really put together an amazing race on a course that was super exciting to watch, and um, it's a bummer they couldn't have any of the, the U23 or junior races, but... The fact that we even got a world championships was kind of like a pretty far-fetched thing at that point. Um, Can I just give another one to, to Imola because they had the best camera crew as well. That race gave us the best shot of the whole season. So realistically, going back to like most valuable player of the year, it should be the, that helicopter and cameraman from the Worlds <laughs> as well. Can we take just the one shot? Yeah. Speaking of which, a bit of a tangent here, but I just uh, had a quick 
interview with Christophe Ramon, uh, one of our photographers, fantastic photographer, who is um, working with Julian Alphilippe to sell prints of that that shot. I'm sure you've seen it. It's on that ridge. He was off to the side. It's the one of Julian off the front. Uh, Julian's signing it, and Christophe is signing it, and they've got a bunch of prints available. Uh, you can get them up, up on Julian's website. We're going to run a story on this because – we just love, love, love that photo, just like we love the the camera work there. Uh, but go check that out. It's on Julian's, Julian's website. I think the best photo of the entire season. All right, tangent over. Do you want to vote? I feel like... Oh, yeah, let's should, vote. Should we vote? I vote Imola. Imola. Hands I've, up for Imola. Yeah, I'll, I'll, Imola wins it. Congratulations, city of Imola. You will be getting a sticker in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because bike racing is all about my least favorite word in the world, sacrifice. The biggest sacrifice of the year goes to... Art for me, because he was a great domestique, and it wasn't just like a lot of other domestiques whose job it is to be a domestique. For Art to be a great domestique basically meant he wasn't going to win the green jersey that I think he probably could have won. Uh, and the fact that he put that aside, I mean, he still did win some some things. That was that was nice. He still got to win just a few bike races this year. Uh, but I think he is a clear favorite to win the green jersey if he's not on domestic duty. Uh, and instead, he helps his team out and does a darn good job of it. Um, and just constantly is on the front on days where you wouldn't expect a rider like him to be on the front. And in, in ways that probably tire him out for stages that he might have otherwise won. Uh, so he had a great year. I think he would have had an even better year if he had been riding completely for himself. He'd probably have a green jersey. Belgium's um, senior cycling commentators are still traumatized by the uh, domestique work that Bout van Aert had to do this year. Um, they do not miss a chance to bring it up. And every time Primoz Roglic is on the television, um, they kind of throw it at him that he didn't ride for Wout van Aert at the World Championships. And they are not going to let that go. The domestic duty of Wout van Aert during the Tour de France was the number one story in the Belgian media, and they could not let it go. So let's do it all again next year just to, just for Belgium, because they hate it. <laughs> Someone needs to tell them that uh, they weren't teammates at Worlds. Has anyone told them this yet? May I nominate every rider on the UAE team who has a national champs jersey because they're clearly sacrificing having a, ni- having a nice jersey for a paycheck. I was going to bring this up later. We have a, we have another category where I was already going to raise this point, so I, I do like that, Dave. I know what one, I know where you're going with that one, Dave. I know what, what category. Shall we vote? Is Walt the winner? Is no, Walt because winner I one? have a really good one as well. I feel like the biggest sacrifice goes to Richie Port for missing the birth of his daughter. Aww. Ooh. Yeah. Good one, Abby. Like, that's, that's a pretty big one. That is a life sacrifice. That's not just like a bike sacrifice. That's like a life thing. I would like to know True. what his wife thinks of that. Yeah, do we want to condone? Like, do we want to promote that? Uh, you know. <laughs> I-, I mean, no, but... Like, yeah, I don't know. He did finish third, so. I accidentally did that for cycling tips two and a half years ago. (laughs) That's true. Up in Sweden. That wasn't on purpose, though. No, it wasn't. It was being caught out at an inappropriate moment and not having many flight options to get back to the south of France in time. Did you finish on the podium of the Tour de France? Uh, Let me just check my diary. (laughs) 
Let <laughs> 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 look on PCF. So who are who are our nominations then? I mean, who should we vote? Who are we voting for? We've got Wout. We've got uh, Richie Port. Hmm. We've got UAE. UAE team. Yeah. Who am I forgetting? That's it. That's those are the ones we got. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Raise your hand for for Richie. Raise your hand for UAE. Anyone in a national jersey? <laughs> All right, so it's Wild Benar is the winner. Biggest sacrifice. clear winner, clear yeah. winner. All right, I'm gonna kind of r- move around a little bit. We're gonna do some worsts. So the most anticlimactic. Who's got one? <laughs> well, we already discussed that, and we don't we don't agree on that one. Um, the Karapas Kwiatkowski thing was for me. Nah. And I don't think, but, but but like that, that was, we had a year where pro riders raced like juniors all year because nobody knew when the final day of racing actually was. So basically every race that I saw was, was amazing. Absolutely every race. I can't remember any day that I thought like, yeah, that was, that was bad. Not one. Yeah. I literally wrote down, I can't think of one. Like I, all of these, I have like five different opinions on what, but this one, whether that there really weren't that many anticlimactic days this year. And you were at the UAE tour, so that's saying so, can it, Dane? <laughs> so the UAE tour, I mean, in, in one way, there was no climax because they cut off the last two stages. In another way, it was a, more climactic than any race I've ever been to in a way that I don't say, really want to live through again. So I was going to say, I would say that there was a, there, yeah, there was quite a climax uh, yeah. to that race, which is the moment that Dane escaped out of the airport. Yeah, it wasn't really uh, the most if, fun if, thing that I've done uh, as a bike racing journalist. Um, if, that, if that race was a movie, then yeah, the moment that Dane like escapes onto the airplane and gets out of the country, yeah, that was is definitely the climax. So definitely who's, play, who's playing for, like, Dane in the hours. movie? Who's playing Dane in this movie? Matt Damon. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Yeah, I think Matt Damon's a good one. Yeah, it looks. He looks like. I think Dane looks like. He can grow a nice beard. No, younger. So. I feel like it should be the the younger of the. Um, there's these the there's the two brothers that were also in Goodwill Hunting, the younger one of those. I'm thinking one of them. The the older one was married to Jennifer and is Jennifer uh, Garner. Ben are you Affleck. Of the Afflecks? Is this? Are you yeah. taking this you long? Think to think Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. I think that the younger Affleck should play Dane. K- Casey Affleck. The younger Affleck is like fifty now. Probably. Thanks, Isn't Abby. He? He looks, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but he does. He's not fifty. He's Matt like Damon 30, is fifty. Thirty-two. <clears throat> the younger Affleck. Anyway, I'll, I'll I, take, I I'll take Matt Damon, but yeah. I I res- <laughs> I respect that you guys don't have any opinion of the most anticlimactic, but I thought the most anticlimactic event of the season was um, the women's Paris Roubaix. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I put, I, I didn't, I didn't have a moment. I had a person. I said Egan Bernal at the Tour de France, um, because there was no climax. <laughs> there was no race. Yeah, it, it, it was. There was arguably no buildup. <laughs> yeah, there was no did nothing. But you know, like defending champion, you think he'd come back and be good? Wasn't. Anyway, that's my that's my vote. What about the worst kit? Because Ooh. there's so many. 
Uh, I for me it's sort of it's a tie. The the worst team kit, and the, this I guess this is controversial because some people seem to like it for whatever reason was Bahrain. I know a lot of people yeah. liked it. I don't know how that is, but I don't know how you combine those colors. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't have the blue on the armband, I think I'd be fine with it. But to go red, orange, light blue, no thanks. Um, that's for a whole team. But for the, the, the real winner is, is everybody on UAE who was a national champion. Uh, if, we can, if we can go you know, deeper than just a whole team, just the subset of riders, who the poor riders on UAE who had to wear those terrible national championship jerseys, uh, which you know, usually wear with pride. I mean, if you're a Dequinic rider, you get to wear a sweet... Now they they had great national champions jerseys on Dakunik, and then if you're on UAE, you gotta nobody even knows you're a national champion because you can hardly tell. Kaylee, clearly a very exciting category. <laughs> I like what I what mean, I I think that Kaylee wrote into this Roglic's situation at the Vuelta with the arm warmers <laughs> and the vest and the, and the yeah. jersey and the shorts and yeah. like the bike. This this oh, was. Gosh. This was my nomination, and it's not that any of those kits, if you had the whole kit, are that bad. It was the particular collection of colors, because, so he had, he, I'm not even going to remember them all. So he had, he has a, 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 a Celeste Bianchi, right? And then he's got Yumbo Visma colors. And then he also had, uh, I believe the worst of it was when he had, like, yellow arm warmers on for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Which would would have been the Yump Visma arm warmers, and yeah. then also, also the leaders jersey. I think it was was the worst one. Uh, anyway, there was this just sort of collection of colors, which if you sort of stuck them all together, gave this sort of uh, uh, like pukey minestrone kind of vibe <laughs> from it. Uh, it was just it was bad. It was terrible, and that was the most unfortunate kit moment of the entire year for me. I'm disagreeing with you because. I thought it inspired uh, a lot of people out there who aren't like we're lucky. We 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 get nice kit from brands to test and stuff. And there's a lot of people out there who um, buy bits because they're cheap and sometimes cobble together the colours. So I think it let people out there know just get out, ride your bike, don't matter what you look like. Plus, being epileptic, it weren't that bad because it didn't set me off uh, with a fit while I was watching TV. <laughs> 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 I, I will say, yeah, he, he was he was channeling like like me in college kind of vibes, where I had you know like team kit from like six different teams that I would throw on in the wintertime to go train, and, and all sorts of different colors and red and blue and green and all sorts of different things. And yeah, it was that that sort of like very amateur amateur cyclist vibe. So maybe maybe you're right, Shotty. Maybe he's just an inspiration. We've all we've all been there. All of all of the college kids out there with like seven dollars to spend on on cycling kit. <laughs> I like it. Any other any other nominations for this one? Bardiani. Sorry, but no. Purple and green. Purple and green is is not a thing. It's no. Mm. But I'm not yeah, just like Bardiani, Androni with like six trillion sponsors on them. It's just it's just too much. No 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 haters of the palace kit? The EF Palace kit? I certainly didn't no, like it. I love that kit. But I love it. Yeah. It got the job done. How about Israel style up nation? The shorts look like they could have quite easily matched, say, the old Mappe jersey. It was like, hey, this is a good start. And then you pan up and it's a, a transparent white with a washed out blue. It was like, oh. Yeah, the, the Israel Startup Nation kit, if you read behind them, it's 
Butt crack for days. Think, anyway. <laughs> I think Ruglitch wins. Ruglitch wins, right? Ruglitch wins. Yeah. Individually, in the moment, the ugliest collection like of that. colors i liked it of the entire season yes which <laughs> which leads bad. us perfectly into the rookie award so rookie award of the season who's got one uh, that that must be liege bastogne liege with ala philippe that was the big biggest blunder yeah. of the year that that the celebrating yeah. too yeah. early while the guy's been on the scene for what eight years i don't know that was that was like that happens not in and a mon- monument and then he um then he almost did it again at Bremont's Peel like four days later. <laughs> the memes that came out of those moments were so amazing. Yeah, good memes. So fantastic. So good. On, to, to the point of Alaphilippe at Liège, uh, you know, on the one hand, it was a pretty bad blunder. But on the other hand, it didn't really cost him anything because he wasn't going to win anyway. So I feel like the Brabant Sapel one was even worse because that one... Like it, it, he was going to win. He almost did lose that race. Whereas at least at Liège, he was going to get relegated anyway. Brabant Sapel, he should have learned his True. lesson. Didn't, which is embarrassing. And how do you not learn that lesson? It's embarrassing either way. It's it embar- embarrassing. It's embarrassing because there's a photo of him with his arms up losing now. That that <laughs> that enough. <laughs> that enough is embarrassing. I, I actually, I experienced one of those moments uh, back in college. It's it like it stays with. I didn't do it. It was it was one of my teammates who did it, but it stays with you forever, and I, that's why I can't believe that you did it four days later. Like, come on, I don't, I don't even see how that's possible. I love how you say it stays. Yeah, I, feel so, like, I love how you say it stays with you forever. But it was my mate. It was my mate. Honest. How do you know it stays with you forever? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't me. Was, it's a buddy of mine. It's a friend of mine. Ask, this, asking this for a friend. Asking for yeah, a friend. Just this, this, just got this guy that I know. Yeah, I feel like this could this award. I mean, there's two different awards that are very very similar. That are that I kind of pitched this the wrong way. But the rookie award for me was like Roglic's TT helmet or Jai Hindley's jacket at the Giro. Um, and then the biggest blunder, Alaphilippe would kind of fall into that category. I would say. I I mean for me, like the Alaphilippe post up is the blunder and the rookie move of the year and and all yeah. the rest it's the most embarrassing thing to happen to anybody the entire season yeah like so, Ruglitch, a tt helmet again to sort of put cycling gear in perspective we all look like idiots all the time to everyone else so he just looked kind of silly to cyclists that day but mm-hmm. you know we all look stupid all the time anyway mm. So it's kind of big for yourself, me. It's the clear sure. winner. Yeah, it's a big thing, you know. Jumbo Visma wants to play with the big boys. They have a lot of money, and they make these rookie mistakes at least a few times a year. Remember last year in the Giro when the team manager or the sports director went for a pee break, forty k from the finish line, and Roglic got into trouble. This year they did it again with like using helmets that were never tested in the most important moment of the year. They have these these moments, the Jumbo Visma management, that they 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 have the ability to be Ineos like, but this will never happen at Ineos. You know, Servas Knavel is the Ineos team uh, sports director, and he told me like there's no peeing while I'm behind the wheel for six hours if if that is how long Milan San Remo takes. We're not stopping, not once. And it happens a few times every year with Jumbo Visma that, that you think like, ah, maybe think about this. Yeah, the helmet one is particularly egregious. Like, that's just, you just don't change your gear 
ahead of an important event. You just don't. Like that's that's for, you. You learn that in the junior days. The the in, uh, the in the snow peeing in the car or stopping to pee in the car gives a complete new meaning to sticky bottle, doesn't it? <laughs> well, maybe they do pee in the car. I don't know. I haven't asked that particular question if there All right, are all bottles involved. All of Leap takes this one. <laughs> all of Leap Moving takes this on. one. Moving on to a similar topic, but on a very much brighter note. The newcomer of the year. This has to be Hershey. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be Hershey. Because not only did he do big things you know, for being relatively young 22 years old but he also did them on on big stages you know winning a, a stage and coming closer to two stage wins at the tour de france he won flesh alone as a 22 year old was second in liege he was third at worlds uh you don't often see that from a rider who i, I don't think a whole lot of cycling fans knew who he was last year uh i don't want to say he didn't come out of nowhere i mean this was his second year at the world tour level uh but he was relatively quiet in 2019 and then and then just really exploded uh, onto the onto the pro scene in 2020. Uh, he was, of course, the, the world champion as an under-23 in 2018, so we knew that there was talent there. Uh, but not not every under-23 world champion you know, t- turns out. that There's a, quite a few who haven't really done a whole lot, and Hershey has already shown that's not going to be him. No no arguments here. I no, mean, he's a clear winner for, for sure. me. Yeah. All right. The On the Edge of My Seat the Whole Time Award. I feel like this just goes to the entire season, but there Pretty are much. moments that stand out. Final, final tour TT, end of the course, uh, end of, end of the Ronde. End of Giro. Bing bang. End of Giro. Bing bang tour. Bing bang tour, final stage, Mathieu van der Poel holding off a peloton 15 seconds behind for almost 60 kilometers and then going on the next day, becoming like fifth or sixth in Liège. That was... That was amazing raising by Van der Poel in Bing Pong Tour. Yeah. That was edge so of my options. seat stuff. I think we give it to the whole season. I like that. There's so many good so many good days. All right, moving kind of into tech. The comeback award. Do rim ba- rim breaks count as a comeback award? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no. Oh no. They don't. They nef- I was, never I went was not, privy, I was not privy to this category. I did not know that we were going to be voting on this category. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just subtly moving into Nerd Alert. 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 What if it's just the Rib Break Award and it, it is awarded to the the technical item that just will not die? <laughs> The Rim Break Award. I like it. Yeah. James, what are some what are some awards that you found particularly relevant this year? Well, my list is pretty brief. I've got I've got a couple that are that are pretty related. And it's not they're not gonna be awarded to I mean the categories don't really cover any particular like thing exactly. Like there's no best thing or worst thing that are that are on my list here. I kind of have like two silver linings tech awards because needless to say, this year has been one unlike any other that we've dealt with and uh, in most of ways bad. Um, But as far as bike tech goes, I mean, there are definitely a couple of really, really big bright spots that came about as a result of the pandemic, one of which has nothing to do with racing. Um, But my award for 2020, but one of the silver linings awards, I should say, is just the absolute massive flood of incoming new 
bike riders that we experienced this year as a result of people looking for things that they could safely do outside uh, because they weren't able to go to restaurants or movie theaters or whatever. Um, or so, the gym. Yeah. So we had this huge, this massive COVID bike boom, uh, which it remains to be seen what exactly is going to become of that because the bicycle industry is historically pretty horrible uh, at you know, kind of taking advantage of things like this or, you know, figuring out what to do with incoming riders or figuring out what to do, you know, even just to get more people on bikes, which is something that they've always said that they wanted to do, but have just been terrible at doing. Um, so, yeah, so in, in a lot of ways, the bike industry, the bi bicycling in general has been sort of, you know, I hate to look at it in this way, but, you know, given, you know, the amount of horribleness that's happened this year, but it's sort of been gifted this, 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 this huge pile of riders on a silver platter. And I am really hopeful, not necessarily optimistic, but I'm really hopeful that, you know, a, at least a big proportion of these people who are new to bikes will stick with it for a while. Cause at this point, you know, you know, we certainly have been going through this whole thing for long enough that people's habits are actually changing. It's not just some little flash in the pan. And I'm very hopeful that we are going to see a whole rash of new bike riders moving forward because, you know, it, it, there's got to be something to good, you know, good to come out of all of this. And I hope that's one of them. I don't think anyone's going to vote against that award. I think that's that's pretty exciting to everybody. Again, I'm not super confident in the bike industry, actually. Uh, I'm quite pessimistic about the bike industry being able to do something. Yeah, well, that, and, actually. And, and some of it's not even the industry itself like you know there's still there's still supply chain issues there's still we're talking you know bike brands saying they're two three hundred days out from from new product like it you know that's the better part of a year right uh yeah it, some of it's not the industry's fault but yeah it still it still feels like there could be more that is done to keep those new people around no, but, but I mean, Kaylee, the fact that you even bring that up, I think highlights one kind of fatal flaw of the bike industry is that like, we're looking at this, like you, you just brought up this example of, you know, the fact that we have these big supply chain issues as being kind of a, a negative in terms of being able to, to cultivate this new crop of riders. These people already have bikes. They bought bikes already and they don't need to have a new bike next year. What they need to do is to get you know, to kind of fall in love more with cycling, with riding bikes in general. And the question is, how do you do that so that at some point when they can, you know, move up or upgrade if they want to, uh, you know, how do you cultivate that love for riding bikes so that we retain these cyclists long-term? You know, again, we have this grand opportunity with, with all these new people riding bikes for the first time. And I'm really hopeful, like, again, but kind of pessimistic that we'll be able to do something with them. Can we ban cars? Do y'all do y'all remember when lockdown first happened? I'm assuming it was like this pretty much everywhere, but at least here in Boulder, when lockdown first happened in kind of April time, like end of March, April, and nobody was driving anywhere, right? All of a sudden, everyone was at home. No one was going anywhere, and you could just ride your bike downtown, across town, wherever you wanted to go. Right down the middle of the street. Right down the middle of the street because there was no there were no cars. And so all of a sudden the bike infrastructure was by default incredible, right? It was it was like it was like we were with you say in 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 the Netherlands where there are, you know, bike lanes and bike paths everywhere and you're separated from vehicles that are trying to kill you and you're not stressed out the entire time about getting run over from behind by some idiot that's texting. 
because there is something protecting you from that vehicle. It felt like that. And as a result, there was tons of people out riding. I, I mean, I remember going out and, and doing some of the normal loops around here in Boulder and seeing people up on Chapman, for example, which is a climb near here that's that's kind of dirt, um, pretty mellow. It's like an hour and a bit loop. And you'd see people out there who clearly this is not their like normal exercise activity. They were not what we would sort of look at as quote unquote cyclists. They were just people on bikes trying to get some exercise. Those people felt comfortable riding around in the city. Granted, Boulder's not a massive city, but you know, in in a decent sized town here, uh, without getting run over by a car. And that that to me feels like the bit that we're kind of missing is this like follow up from the bike industry with with governments basically to say remember how great that was? Remember how many people rode bikes? Remember how, how safe people felt? I think that that's still the primary, that's really the primary issue, at least here in the States, for lots of sort of mass acceptance of bicycles is the fact that you have to be a pretty good cyclist to ride around and not feel like you're going to die the entire time. And that's a real problem. Oh, I may or may not have a, an upcoming Nerd Alert podcast coming up on this very topic. I will. I look forward to that one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, it's sort of the industry, but it's also like where the industry is putting its its time and effort and whether they are pushing, you know, state and local governments to to do these kind of things. I mean, Paris is a perfect example. Paris has changed completely. It will it will. And now it hopefully will never go back. Right. Uh, because Hidalgo, the, 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 the mayor there just opened the, like the entire city up for bikes and pedestrians and all of a sudden it feels like a totally different city i should say i haven't been there but i've got friends who live there who say it's amazing and that's the kind of thing that could have happened in more places that should have happened in more places that could fundamentally change the way that we interact with our cities and the way we get around them and unfortunately it feels like we're just kind of getting back to normal not yet. The mayor, the mayor of the mayor of Paris, has basically said long term they want to make sure that going into Paris via car is just not an option. So yeah, it's a good start, isn't it? It already kind of felt like that before. I mean, we always we always ditch the car ahead of the last stage of the Tour de France for that exact reason. Because the one time I tried to drive into Paris, I got locked into a parking garage at like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> not great. <laughs> Something. Something interesting about this is um, that actually ties into your second award, James. Uh, a conversation I had recently on the Freewheeling podcast with Jenny Gwizowski. She was saying that in London, there was this big push for more safety for bikes during the lockdown. And there was more bike lanes put in and, and whatnot. And now that, well, right now they're back in heavier lockdown, but in the in-between when people were starting to come out again and cars were starting to drive on the, on the roads again, uh, the Daily Mail complained enough that they ended up taking out a big chunk of this of the safety bike lane in some in one of the parts they did they did i mean actually one of our vela club members who is who's based there who's very uh who's very i guess active in in local advocacy work callum uh sorry callum i don't know your last name off the top of my head um but it's been interesting kind of looking at his commentary on the vela club slack channels as far as what's been happening on the ground there. And just, it's kind of a bummer. And we experienced something like that locally and in, in Boulder as well, not because of COVID, but like, I think it was a, maybe, t was it three years ago now, Kaylee? I don't remember. Like, you know, they, they were 
they they reconfigured uh, a bigger thoroughfare through town to uh, they reduced one of the car lanes and put in uh, protected bike lanes and people got all up you know up all up in arms and all twisted out of you know, bent out of shape and like one business in particular really complained about it and they ended up going out of business anyway so like it, it's very frustrating so again like it's the sort of thing where so a lot of work could be done to make people feel more comfortable riding bikes, especially these new people who are now riding bikes either for the first time or, you know, for the first time in a long time. Uh, a lot of work could be done to make them feel more comfortable riding bikes so that they can ride bikes for the rest of their lives, hopefully. Um, and I hope that more work will be done there. So, so that's my first Silver Linings Award. Second one, also also COVID related, um, is, you know, we, we saw a lot, again, there was this massive bike boom this year. Um, and that has resulted in, <clears throat> and that has resulted in also some pretty massive shortages as well this year, uh, like for a lot of staple goods, you know, Abby, you mentioned inner tubes, but it's also been stuff like chains and cassettes and like, you know, just basically wear items and like people just can't find anything. Like I was, I was looking for some tires for for my fat bike, um, and like no one has anything. It is shocking. Like no one has anything anywhere. It's um, it, it's amazing. On the one hand, it's fantastic because that means people are again riding bikes. It's a huge boom. Um, and it's also kind of a bummer because you can't find a lot of things. But again, my second silver linings award goes to the, you know, sort of these, you know. I'm kind of looking at kind of looking at the bright side of the supply chain disruptions in the sense that they're potentially. I'm hoping, um, and this is going to sound kind of odd coming from the perspective of of a tech editor who is constantly writing about you know new shiny fancy stuff. Um, but it'd be nice to see a little bit more of a refocus for people on you know kind of buying things that they plan to hold onto for a while instead of just sort of reaching for like the latest newest shiniest thing. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit uh, a few episodes ago on Nerd Alert when I did that uh, episode with the interview with uh, uh, Eric Brunsvort. Um, sorry, Eric, I know I butcher your name every time. Um, um, but I mean, it's 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 a potentially a a renewed focus on people revaluing things or reevaluating what they value in a bike. I mean, when we did. You know, we did a big round of staff bikes of the bunch features earlier this year, and it was very indicative to me how many of us own and how many people in the industry in general, like a lot of my industry friends, a lot of us, I would say almost most of us own metal bikes, at least as far as, you know, kind of drop bar bikes go. Um, you know, very few people have like the absolute latest and greatest carbon aero wonder bike thing. And most of the people I know in the industry have custom metal bikes that they hold on to for a very long period of time because they don't necessarily care about how light or aero or whatever it is. They want something that fits well, rides well, that's going to last a long time, that they fall in love with, and they keep it for a very long time. And I think with so many things being short on uh, being short in, or in short supply, I wonder if people might look at things a little bit differently. And I think that would be a really good thing to say. I'd have to agree with you there. Like, my dad owns a bike shop. Uh, they are running on shorter hours now. He's, had, he's just plain because getting the gear, bits and pieces together, is getting harder and harder every week. And But on the upside of all that is it's helping people find bike shops with good mechanics now. You, you, you're going to get 
mechanics who have got lots of experience who can not botch things together, but make things work for longer than they should do. And then there's going to be them the bike shops where people have previously gone in and they've just slapped something new on it. And then the mechanics there aren't au fait with how to repair this or that. And they're, they're going to be a little bit stuck. So, yeah, hopefully it's going to help people find who, who are the good mechanics and who are the bad mechanics. Yeah, the ones who can actually fix things as opposed to the ones who are just parts installers. Exa- that's exactly what I wanted to say. Or like um, I mentioned that the that your both of your awards tie into my episode with Jenny. Uh, shameless plug for the Freewheeling Podcast. Go check it out. <laughs> um, but she started the London Bike Kitchen. If you haven't heard of it, it is a kind of place where you can go and they have all all the tools that you need and that they have mechanics there that are actually more interested in teaching you how to fix your own bike than they are in fixing it for you. So it encourages people to, it's a little bit of a challenge right now in COVID times, but I think the, the general idea behind it is actually that you're able to maintain your bike yourself and not take it to a shop, um, to get, to get worked on. And there are some things, you know, that people are never going to get. So it's not like shops are going to become irrelevant, but I think being in tune with your equipment, which would, which then also helps you to appreciate it more and not want something new because you love what you have. It kind of all ties together a little bit. Agreed. Side note. Newsflash, this just came across my desk. Uh-oh. Canyon Canyon Bicycle says it is pausing shipments to UK customers. Uh, so if you're trying to get a Canyon in the UK, that's going to be an issue as of January 1st f- because of Brexit and supply chain stuff. Oh, dear There's God. F- so fun. There's yeah. a few brands. Rose Bikes have also stopped uh, shipping to the UK as well. Poor people. All right, so... That is it for all of the cycling-related, tech-related. If you want more tech-related awards, go listen to the Nerd Alert podcast that was last week, um, one of my favorite Nerd Alerts this year. So check that out. And to wrap things up, how about Best Cycling Tips Podcast Voice? Who who is the best voice or who is the most entertaining most entertaining most most mvp yeah willow, willow. <laughs> <laughs> i've blocked intro, i've locked sure. her out the room because um obviously no no daycare it won't be in christmas and she keep she she get, asks for abby all the time <laughs> <laughs> we need to get back to willow but intros yes yeah, we'll, we'll integrate a more uh, uh, the throughout next year while she's getting more and more on with her little balance bike because she's killing it at the moment went to bmx track the other day so i'll pass the award on to her she'll be well happy yeah we can have her host the podcast sometime next year when she, when she can yeah, form full sentences not, not not saying she'd do a better Ambitious. job Abby, but <laughs> okay on that note <laughs> um Thank you so much for everybody who listened this year. It was, I mean, a pretty crazy year from my perspective. It was my first year, full year with Cycling Tips. So that was pretty amazing. And um, a huge shout out to the Velo Club because it's the Velo Club members that really allow us 
as cycling tips, uh, contributors, editors, what have you, we can, we can do what we do because of Velo club. Um, multiple people on this podcast right now were hired because of Velo club. Um, we really, really value our Velo club family and the people on Slack who we can chat with every single day. Um, I love chatting with the Slack, the Slack group. I get so many hilarious questions and, and funny stories from people on the Slack. So really, really enjoy it. Um, so if you haven't signed up for Velo club, consider joining you can pay for a year or you can pay monthly it's about two cups of coffee per month so it's it's not a ton out of pocket but you are supporting something that i mean i'm biased but i think it's great so agreed so yeah that's it that's the year that's the entire 2020 is a wrap for the cycling tips podcast excellent job hosting abby except for james has one more comment I would just like to add one thing, just as, as we cl- uh, as we close out this year. Uh, just thanks to all of our listeners, just for kind of letting us into your lives, because uh, you know I know I have a pretty busy life. I know everyone else on this podcast has you know, a lot of thing, a lot of things going on at home, and it's it's asking a lot to devote an hour, or an hour plus of your time to listen to us every week. So thank you. Seconded. Thirded. Fourth. Fourth. <laughs> okay that's it we're cutting it off thank you everybody have a great end of 2020 and beginning of 2021 here's to brighter in january here's to brighter things ahead